missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, Footy fanboys are back. Episode I don't even know anymore. We're in the thirties. Yeah. yeah, we're, we're somewhere, we're somewhere, somewhere there. Somewhere. I actually was I wanted to plan this before I got on the podcast tonight, but I wanted to see how many we actually have because we did a couple half episodes and I think we did some episodes I didn't name. <laughs> so, yeah, this is how we know which episode we're on. We go to our YouTube our channel and check yeah. <laughs> which one we're on. Um let's just see now. I think it says thirty, but I think like like we didn't title that. That's twenty seven. I think we're about 31, or maybe 30. Yeah, 30. 30 looks right, yeah. All right, let's call it 30. Episode 30, <laughs> we hit the uh, the trifecta mark. Does that make sense? The tri mark? I think so. Sounds I about know. right. <laughs> I don't know. Um, We got a really good show for you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the second match, second leg of the second semifinal just wrapped up. Real Madrid prevailing. Over Man City, 2-1 victors today. Or is it 3-1? 3-1. 3-1, sorry. 3-1 victors today. Pushed them 6-5 on mm-hmm. aggregate. Mm-hmm. I mean, going into leg one, we knew it was going to be tight, I think, between the two sides. Man City, I think we thought, had the bigger advantage out of both teams, just with their recent run of form and kind of who they are. But I don't think someone, I don't think anyone could have told us the scoreline could have possibly been 6-5. Mm-hmm. as the aggregate final score with these two teams. I mean, defensively, we know Man City is really, really strong. Real Madrid losing Sergio Ramos last year, we they kind of thought that maybe they might fall off a little bit. But 6-5, boys. Yeah. Like, I'm not complaining. Mm-hmm. But that's just... I, I love it, first of all. I love it. I love seeing the goals. Uh, world-class goals, too, at, at that. Um, And Hala Madrid, man, going through. Yeah. How it, do you guys feel? Uh, I, you know, it was a really exciting two legs. Um, it, it was really interesting. Just, it, it was two really different legs. Um, yes. both really exciting. Um, honestly, up until the 90th minute of this leg, uh, I thought City were going to go through on the tie. Um, going into the leg before they even stepped foot on the field, I thought Man City had the upper hand, and then 90 seconds into the game, they scored, and I thought it was going to just be one-way traffic through uh, the two legs with Man City just from the quality they have. But um, Real Madrid just kept scoring. They kept finding a way, and I think it's been their narrative through the entire Champions League. They just go behind, mm-hmm. but they still play like a team that believes that they can win. Uh, any game that they're in and then you know come the 90th minute when some people started leaving the Bernabeu Rodrigo just comes in and scores and then scores again and all of a sudden Real Madrid's on the front foot uh 
made for probably one of the most exciting two legs of champions you've seen in a long time. Yeah, for sure. I am. <laughs> I told Tonto Max, he's like super disappointed. Disappointed or are you sad? I'm sad for Pep, man. <laughs> are I you mean, sad for yourself? I, I did feel no. it for him a bit just because he wants so it so bad. bad. I feel so bad for Pep. I mean, I don't know what he has to do to win Champions League. He's come so close. Well, he has won Champions League. I know, but ever since the Messi era. Um, like, he went to Bayern Munich, didn't win. City now, I mean, he they really should have won this game. I mean... I was I was thinking about it like the uh the subs part of me feels like that Fernandinho and Mares sub necessarily didn't want to ha- need to happen. Um I know some people maybe will criticize uh Grealish coming in for Jesus, but Grealish actually had two really good chances to score if not for Courtois and that clearance off the line. So yeah. he was actually super positive coming in. I just feel like with that Mares sub the shape changed for their team so much. And I was even saying to Santo, it's like I don't if unless Mares needed to come off for whatever reason because fatigue, but the best way to defend is <laughs> particularly against even against Madrid, like defend in their third by holding the ball in their third with a guy like Mares or like create some more chances and put them on the back foot. Cause you put in Fernandinho who, you know, he hasn't played a ton this season. But that was for defensive reasons. Yeah, but then you're just inviting the attack, which is why they scored, right? And and it, when they were, when they had Mars on the field, and you know Jesus too, like they were in total control of the game, like not like Real Madrid were nowhere. And then you make these subs, and then you know it puts them on the front foot. So part of me wishes he would have just stuck with who he had because. They had Real Madrid had nothing. If they started pressing and they were controlling the play and they were dictating stuff, then it's like, okay, we got to make some subs so we don't concede. But to concede when there's no threat, to make those subs when there's no threat from Madrid in the event that they're going to go on the front foot, I think was a little bit premature. Um, I mean, but in the in the scale of the game, when Mara's scored, that put Man City up. Let's just call it two nil. Like in yeah, they're up by two goals. So in Pep's eyes, he's probably like, okay, I can sacrifice maybe having an attacking player now for the final five minutes of the game. Put in one of our more like surefire, reliable, you know, captains. He's a captain for the side for Andino. Yeah. Put him into just like you know, put the last five minutes of the game, make sure nothing happens, and then lo and behold, something happens five minutes later. Like yeah. you can't predict that to happen. I think I don't. I don't mind the substitution to be honest. Because I'm sure they would, I'm sure that they did do a formation shift after the Mara's sub because you, like, mm-hmm. Fernandinho and Mara's are not like for like. So they must have had maybe one or two guys play the up top now. Yeah. And then drop, like you said, maybe 10 guys behind the ball. Which, yeah, you're asking for pressure, you're inviting pressure. But when you're defending 10 men strong and you've been playing the game pretty neutrally balanced when it comes to formations, like the entire match, and you're leading 1 0. You would think in your eyes of Pep, you're probably like secure. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I don't think it was a liability to do that. I don't think it's like the reason why they got two goals scored on them because the two goals were just balls into the box that got in. Yeah, like that came through. I mean, like they could have happened in the fifty fiftieth minute or in the fifth minute. That they just so happened to happen in the ninetieth and ninety first. Mm-hmm. But I don't think. I don't know if you're putting blame on Pep. 
I'm, well, I'm not blaming Pep because obviously I can't do Pep's job. No, but I mean, like, I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're looking to him to say like, oh, maybe he didn't make the right choice by doing that, which may have cost them the goals against. Because I don't think that could be true. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's the reason for the goals, but I think they probably would have been more. They would like the game would have probably just continued as it was, where they were holding possession because they have possession in their third. But when you take out Mares and put Fernandinho. You don't have three players pressing high on their D anymore, so you can't really win the ball back in their third. So they're going to creep more up, like higher up the field. And then the other issue is like, oh, <laughs> now you're going to extra time, <laughs> and you don't have any. Yeah. You have yeah, Jesus is out, Mars is out, so anyone who can score, Sterling so you have to bring on Sterling, yeah. who hasn't been like that reliable for goals. So yeah. that's the other issue. Um, in the event of a comeback, now like your top. Mares, who's probably your best goal scorer, is no longer on the field to like dig you out of a situation. So, I mean, I would have kept Mares on the field just for that too. It's like, hey, in the event they do come back, we go to extra time. At least Mares is on the field, so he can get us a goal if we do. Um, I think he tried to play it a little bit too safe, which is understandable. I mean, if they shut it down, then everyone would have been like, oh, like great for that. But I do think. I just honestly, I just think he should have kept Mars on the field <laughs> at the end I of just, the day. Somehow, um, you know, maybe n- not put Grealish in, maybe put uh, Fernandinho in for uh, Jesus. So just so mm-hmm. you have Mars on the field because he's mm-hmm. the guy that's he can run at defenders, get you a goal, or hold the ball in the final third. Um, I just think with that decision, it's like in the moment, I don't think anybody said, oh, that's a bad call. I think no, it's, I think it's, I don't a, think it's, it's, a, it's a hindsight. You look thing. back on hindsight 2020. It's a hindsight thing. Like, oh, yeah. like if he didn't do that, maybe. He's, like at the moment, yeah. you can't be like, oh, what a terrible coaching decision. Like, I, I, but I turn to him. I'm like, don't take off Bernardo Silva. I like, I turn to Santo. He's like, don't do it because you're like, you're going to lose all your high press and like nothing's going to happen. And he took off Mars instead. I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, t- I, we told were... Santa, I told Santa while they were making it to the sub, I'm like, I really don't think this is a good idea because I thought he was going to yeah. take off uh, Silva at first because Silva started playing higher um, and they took off Mars and I was like, that's, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't crazy about the subs either. Um, I'm not sure if the KDB sub was because of his fitness or he, his injury. I mean, I'm to like, be honest, he didn't so. have the best game and yeah. they, when yeah. Gundogan came on, like that's, how they scored so i that was actually really good i think yeah yeah, i think it was fitness leaning yeah yeah he because he looked uh pretty off um but yeah i mean it was was there for the taking and i think you know man city just got to wait another season to get their long-awaited champions league win um you know given given the goals away um you know the two were crosses the pk was Legit. Yeah, it was. I to this day I still don't know why defenders lunge in when a striker is running away from your net. Yeah. Like yeah. asking for he trouble. He wasn't really like, threatening. Like it no. wasn't I mean, if he would have gotten a really, really good touch and then made maybe like a quick shot. Yeah. Like a one touch and then like hit it far post or something. Yeah. Of all players, if someone could have done it, there's no doubt in my mind that that person would be Benzema, the mm-hmm. way that he's been playing and I mean just Real Madrid being no quit, I think that just, I think they rally around him mm-hmm. in yeah. that like in that mentality. Like he's just been an absolute rock star this entire yeah. season. Yeah, it's been- La Liga, Champions yeah. League. He's got like sixteen Champions League goals this year, or something like that. Like one of the t- like one of the best records ever, and he's a player like we touched on. I think last uh, last podcast episode, he's 
he was kind of under the shadow, I think, of Ronaldo a little bit when he, when Real Madrid was like in their in their glory. And the last couple of seasons since Ronaldo left and departed to go to Man to go to Juventus, sorry, and then Manchester United now, Benzema's like shown up and like claimed the team as his own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's always been world class. Like he's always been like a France, you know, number number nine for their team. But I mean, he's playing next level football right now, and I'm I'm happy to see him get the recognition he always has deserved because he always kind of had a chip on his shoulder. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like when Iguain was in the side for Real Madrid, it was kind of like the Ronaldo and Iguain show, and Benzema was like the third wheel a little bit. Yeah. But now it's like, yeah, he's showing up in the prime time. He's you know paying his he's paid his dues over time, and I mean he's just been putting on a clinic. Yeah. In, in the goal scoring category, scoring all types of goals: PKs, head balls, volleys, just clinical finishing. And I mean, I think this is a, he's a guy that Pep would love to have in his side. But that being said, if there's one player that's going to carry Real Madrid this entire season like he has been, he's got to be the guy. And I think he's going to threaten against Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a really, really interesting final. Um, and shout out to Liverpool. I mean, they've they've been just rolling in all the competitions this season. And, you know, we could see them win the win the quadruple. Um you know the the title race for the EPL is looking, you know, obviously really uncertain, which is a one point difference. So, um, but again, if anyone's gonna threaten Van Dyke and Allison and whoever they decide to put at center back mm-hmm. <laughs> that game, um, it's definitely gonna be Benzema. So we'll see. I mean, it's two really attacking teams. Um, so. I think it's going to be one of those finals where we see probably a few goals, not like we've seen in the past. A lot of one nothing wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, Liverpool, I mean, the squeaky little effort yesterday to get past Villarreal going down yeah. 2-0. Mm-hmm. Uh, put a real scare into the Reds there. Villarreal playing at their home park. Obviously, having the fans behind them is huge. And getting the goal that they did, I think, in the first three minutes of the game and then the 41st minute of the game, you know, two goals before the first half ends. Like, what more do you want to ask for if you're Villarreal? Yeah. And yeah. if you're, um, oh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, used to be Arsenal's coach there. Oh, uh, uh, Emery? Emery, yeah, Unai Emery. Yeah. Like, what more could you ask for? I mean, what a, what an amazing start for them. Fans are going nuts. It was crazy. Uh, yeah. Crazy atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I'll get the park in it. El, El Madrigal. I didn't realize it was so small. There's only a capacity of 23,000 That's people. awesome, though. It's I mean, smaller, like, smaller than TFC Stadium. I mean, Bernabeu is, like, obviously like one of, like, the Mecca stadiums, same with the New Camp oh, and, yeah. and, you know, Old Trafford. But these smaller pitches, these smaller grounds, mm-hmm. I mean, the atmosphere sometimes can almost emulate, you know, an 80,000-seat mm-hmm. stadium um, just because you're right on top of the of the ground, yeah. right, on top of the pitch. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we saw, like, like I said, the scare from Liverpool is there. Um, going down 2-0, leveling the game off 2-2 in aggregate. But second half, we saw Liverpool prevail as the better side, like just in almost every facet of the match with their backtracking, their passing, possession of the ball, and then just the goals too with Fabinho, Luis Diaz, who's had an amazing season since he's joined Liverpool Oh yeah, since January. And then Sadio Mane capping it off in 74th minute to give Liverpool the 5-2 victory in aggregate. Uh, it just proved that I think Klopp and Liverpool are just more of a well-polished side mm-hmm. than Real. Yeah, um, Villarreal had they gotten past Man United in the group stage, I believe, and then they gotten through 
against Bayern Munich was obviously the biggest upset, I think, of the knockout fixtures. So they're kind of riding high going into this game. And, I mean, losing 2-0 at Anfield isn't the worst thing to possibly happen for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like a 5-0 blowout where there was no way of coming back. And so coming back to their home park, they obviously had a lot of momentum going towards them in their favor. And, yeah, them showing up like they did, I mean, awesome. Like, really good to watch. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, a well-polished side with Klopp. I mean, Unai Emery's only been there for, I think, a year and a half or about a year since he departed from um, from Arsenal a couple seasons ago. So when you're a team like Liverpool and you're just a well-oiled machine like they are, you know a 2-0 deficit at halftime isn't out of the question to come back from. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, I mean, they just show their class. And then they came through a little squeaky. I mean, it could have gone either way at some point, it looked like. But mm-hmm. um, I think if you're a Liverpool supporter, there was no doubt in your mind that they're going to come out second half and put in a good performance. Yeah, when uh, Luis Diaz came on, it was just a completely different game. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's, he's just come out of nowhere for me. Just I know. Putting in performances. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been just great to see him play. And, and honestly, like, it's... Liverpool's starting to really put their stamp on just consistent performances. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of develops over the next few seasons uh, to see if the tide still kind of stays with Man City being, you know, up top the EPL more often than they're not versus Liverpool starting to take charge because they've just been really consistent in all the competitions they've been in. And they're starting to get yeah. pretty deep yeah, with uh, with their bench. I think City really have to look at their whole squad next season because two years ago we would have said like City's like their depth is unreal. Now you look at City and outside of their starting 11, maybe like 12, 13 players, you really drop off a cliff. Like just look at their bench against um, even Real Madrid today. It's a little tough. Oh, so you want to see the game? Yeah, like because obviously. Real Madrid, that's their, like, that's their team. That's who, and, like, that was them at their full strength, I would say. And then, what, you have Ake, Sterling, Gundogan, Grealish, Zinchenko on the bench, and Fernandinho. That's not bad, though. I mean, it's not. That's pretty good. I mean, it is, but. Those guys have all seen the pitch this season on, as, like, starters. Probably together. They have, but, like, the issue is, you know, you put a lot of them on. Gundogan did did really well. Um. But, you know, outside of that, you had two to three, like, and this season they had, like, when Walker was out. Um, like, they really, really struggle. So, you do, they have to get someone, because you look at that bench and it's, like, no one there is, like, a goal scorer, really, to be honest. Everyone is, on, so, like, you're exhausting all wasn't your good five. On, wasn't good on the la- their leading goal scorer last season? Two years ago. It's two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. Um, so, outside of Gundogan and, you know, maybe Sterling, uh, you're really running out of steam really quickly. Whereas you have Liverpool and their front five, they could rotate and just, just be as threatening where like in, in this game, you took, if Klopp would have taken out Grealish and put on, um, or whoever and put Pep, on like, Pep would take out Grealish. yeah, Pep would have taken out Grealish, put on someone like who else, someone else who has 15 goals a season. And that would have, that would have like killed the game right there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, they do. They really need like Howland to sign for them this summer, is what I'm saying. They probably also need, you know, another attack-minded midfielder. I would say, and probably a left back. 
Left back for sure. Because yeah. if Kinchelo's not playing, I don't know who else they have. Yeah, they have Zinchenko, but who can play either side? I yeah, guess. But you need you need four solid. Mm. You need four solid outside backs. Well, um, we were we were saying before, other than, um, sorry, other than Foden, who really is like a youth academy player for Man City that's like cracked the side? Yeah. I mean, maybe some of these younger guys here, like James, James McAtee, Cole Palmer. I mean, I know Cole Palmer actually is is uh, an up and coming player for them. Yeah, they have a lot of promise behind him. But other than that, they're guys that don't see the field very often. Yeah, and I mean, not every player is going to be an absolute like shining star that comes to the youth academy. There's always, everyone knows everyone always pays their dues and it takes time to get there. But I mean, look at other sides like. I mean, I'll, I'll always go back to Chelsea and like what they've done under Lampard the last couple of seasons before he got you know sacked. With them not having the ability for the transfer season, they had to bring in Mason Mount. They had to bring in Reese James. They had to bring yeah. in. Um, I mean, I know uh, Pulisic was with Dortmund before, but he was a Chelsea Youth Academy player before that. But like players like that, they had to play them all the time because they need mm-hmm. them in the side. Trevor Chalaba, another player. I mean, Man City doesn't have. I mean, the Man City just wants to go buy players that fit yeah. Pep's like system instead of building from within. But when you're doing that, you're bringing in players from outside sources that are already in their prime. And then, you know, they last one, two, three, maybe seasons, and then they're out. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. get a restock again from like either new talent from your own youth academy, which they haven't done, or you get to go buy new players and fit them into a new system again. Yeah. When yeah. you're like, I know for a fact, like if you're a manager for Man City, if you're Pep, you're not only looking at your first team players you have a hand in the youth academy you have a hand in the under 21s under the under 18 level players because whatever that coaching staff is doing is in the mind of pep guardiola Mm -hmm. like what it would make sense to have someone with a vision completely different from pep you know training guys every single week putting them in positions that doesn't make sense for a senior team if there's no reason for them to be there you know what i mean like it would be I just I find it to be strange that there's not at least one, two, maybe three players that you can really look at from Man City and be like, yeah, those are youth academy guys that deserve to be there and can crack the side in the next one or two seasons. Yeah, they're just not there. They're not existent. Yeah, yeah. yeah Cole Palmer and Mac are the only people I've seen like a small glimpse of the season, but nothing like too, uh, mm-hmm. too in depth in terms of playing time. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens in the next few seasons because they they do have some you know a lot of aging players, um, and they're gonna have to fill some spots. I mean, it could be a completely different show if Haaland ends up going and it's uh, yeah yeah put him on, put him anywhere. Out. It's gonna change. They yeah they <laughs> they're feeling the number nine right now because they're really <laughs> they're Jesus has been doing well. They're relying on Mara's right now for all their goals right now. Yeah. Um, Sterling's been up and down, so like I said, they need they need two more players that can bag them some goals and um, some more defenders. And that's the thing too; you're relying on winged players who, yes, have crazy skill, have crazy pace, but you're relying on them to be your goal scorers. Yeah, like who knows if these guys have been trained all their life to be just pure clinical goal scorers? Like Benzema, that's why he's there. Yeah, Holland, yeah. that's why he's there. Lewandowski. <clears throat> Lukaku maybe should be should should or should not be there. Yeah, those are players that have just trained all their life for the last fifteen twenty years to just put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, Sterling was there for pace and for you know skill and flashing is on the wing and whatever it is. Mara's same kind of thing. 
Bernardo Silva, we talked about before. He's our uh, LKG player of all time, I think. The low-key mm-hmm. good player uh, we always look at. He just knows how to get the job done wherever he can. But he's not trained to be a goal scorer. He yeah. can show flashes of brilliance and mm-hmm. score some nice goals. But that's not why he's there. He's not going to put up 30 goals in a season for you. Yeah. The last player, I'll say it again, that Man City had was Sergio Aguero. Yep. Dating back 10 years ago when he was in his real prime, maybe seven years ago, when City was just cleaning house and they were putting away tons of goals. And yes, they have goal scores by committee with the likes of Gundogan and and Maritz and Sterling and Foden, whoever you want to put there. But they still don't have that guy Mm -hmm. that they can look at and say, he's getting us 25 goals this year. Like, book it. Like, no matter what. If he gets injured for a little bit, maybe that might, you know, hurt him for his goal scoring tally. But he's a person that we can count on for at least 20 goals. Yeah. Maybe 25. Yeah. Like, they haven't had that since Sergio Aguero. Yeah. He was he was their guy. He's like, he'd get the ball at the top of the box, and he would just find a way to make space and get a shot off. Like, that's what he just wanted to score. That's That was his job. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Man City hasn't maybe really even shown a hard attempt to find that player to fill that void, I don't know if that's an arrogance thing with Pep, maybe. Like, he says, like, this is my team. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it still. Like, I know I can count on these guys, and maybe he has his full support behind players like Sterling and De Bruyne to carry the weight of the team. But when it's not happening and I mean, you didn't win the Premier League last year. You didn't, you're not going to win Champions League this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean this year EPL title is still up for grabs again, Liverpool separated by one point. If this doesn't happen for them, this is a complete failure of a season. Yeah. If they don't win the Premier League title this year, which we'll get to the Premier League action a little bit. If they don't win the title this year, this could go down as one of Pep's worst seasons of all time. In, yeah, in Man City, outside, outside in Man his City first play, season, yeah. for, for sure. I was gonna say outside his first season when he was getting acclimated to the Premier League game. Yeah, this could be this could go down as like a crushing season for them, which might have huge implications for next season. Yeah, um, they do. They have to win the league. <laughs> they they had to win this game. They didn't do that. They have to win the league for sure. Um, and it's going to be tough like to bounce back from this and go win the league um i was thinking that too like this could it's going to be a way this could be detrimental if they don't if they don't win the league um they're going to they have to go out and that's going to be the big indicator game. we have to get our striker we got to replenish the team get some more depth um is it panic mode i wouldn't say it's panic mode i think they're pretty they, I feel like the the type of team and just club in general that'll sit down, look at where the holes are, and analyze it properly, and see like where we have to improve. Um, I do know Pep's contract is up in in twenty twenty three. We'll see. Um, I would I would imagine uh, even if this season is a complete wash, that they would still offer him a contract extension. I mean, who else are you going to bring in that's going to get you to the semifinals and compete for the league consistently every year. It's obviously very tough. Um, he's probably outside of Klopp. He's the closest guy that's going to come in. That'll probably win you a champions league or get close to it. So I don't think his jobs in jeopardy, even if they don't win the league, obviously um, it's just a question if he's going to stay past 2023. Um, because let's be honest after 2023, they're really going to have to rebuild the squad. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you get to that point, um, you'll have half the guys on the like in the starting eleven almost over the age of thirty. Yeah, like Mars will be getting up there. He'll probably still be really good. I, I would, unless Sterling turns it around, he's 
Um, he might struggle to get into the first team ever. Um, I feel like Sterling's still 24 years old. Yeah. He's just really, last two seasons, he's not, I mean, three years ago, he was their guy. Now, last season and this season, he's been struggling a little bit. So, they got to go out by then, probably get three or four really solid guys and kind of just rebuild again. Hopefully still be competitive. So, we'll see. The league, we'll see come, what, June, May, end of May, where they finish. But That's just a few weeks away. He, He has to. Has to win the league now. Otherwise, it's, it's disaster. The Premier League table separated by one point between Man City and Liverpool. All level on matches played. Um, almost level on every other category. Man City has one extra win. Liverpool has two extra draws. And Liverpool has one less loss. So that tallies up to 83 points for Man City. 82 points for Liverpool. And even goal differential. 63 goals mm-hmm. differential for Man City. 64 Liverpool. They have four wins and a draw in the last five matches. Like these two teams, man, like they're, they're so neck and neck. They're so evenly matched. We knew it was going to come down to probably the last weekend of the season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, watching the Champions League game and the, basically the collapse that Man City had in the last, you know, half hour of the game, 32 minutes of the game, I was thinking like this could really hurt their chances. This could really like be backbreaking for them mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. into like the Premier League now because that's all they have to fight for. They've obviously clinched their spot for Champions League for next season, so that's out of the question. But when it comes to the Premier League race, Liverpool just came from behind and beat Villarreal. Their momentum was flying high. Man City just huge collapse against Real Madrid. They're one minute away from getting their second Champions League final in a row. I mean, have really really great odds um, to get their first victory in Champions League. And then it just comes crashing down in a, you know a two minute time period, and then fifteen minutes later, the goal from Benzema gets scored. I mean, I don't. I, I this is going to really test the adversity of Man City. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something that they haven't faced um, that recently. I mean, Liverpool winning last year was an absolute wash of the of the title. Like they just ran away with it. So, what do you mean? Did, who won last year? It's Man City won. Okay, fuck. Sorry, yeah. year before. Man City won the year before. Year before Liverpool won. It's an absolute wash of Liverpool <laughs> winning, and then like Man City had more of a cakewalk last year. So I think this time now it, it's it's going to really come down, and like you're going to learn a lot about Man City. I think in the last you know four weeks of the season, three weeks of the season, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be obviously enticing to see, and I just wish. These teams play each other again one more one more time this year. Well, that's what I was hoping for. The, just the fact that they're so close at the top of the EPL. If they would have played each other in the Champions League final, it would have been like the penultimate like, like situation of the yeah. end of a EPL season. Because before this, it was the whole City and Man U thing when City won a goal differential and a girl scored. Yeah, but I mean, just the rivalry between the two teams, just to have them, you know battle it out for the EPL title and then face each other in the UCL final would have been just like the emphasis on the on the rivalry they have but you know Man City just didn't get the job done and I think take a I think that's off. why I'm more disappointed because I wanted that so bad it was just a great story but yeah I just really they really should have won <laughs> I mean yeah after the 86 minute I'm like it's done just there's no threat whatsoever. 
I yeah, think it's no. crazy. Um, we're just looking at the the remaining schedule for for both sides. I think we touched on it last time. Liverpool has a bit more of a tough schedule. I think mm-hmm. mixing in the FA Cup final against Chelsea on May fourteenth um, kind of throws a little bit of a wrench into that week. I mean, they're going to play three games in a seven day span, starting on May tenth against Aston Villa, the Saturday match against Chelsea in the final, and then the Tuesday coming against Southampton before they wrap up the season against Wolves on the Sunday. Is that right? For the, well, they wrap it up against Crystal Palace on July fifteenth. No, right here. What? No, no, these are these are other games. I don't know what this is. That, that I don't think that's a makeup game. I don't know what this is. What are these? <laughs> I think this is all square. Oh, yeah, well, I don't think yeah, those why, last two are. Oh, yeah, why things. are they? Why, yeah, is look, Man, why is Man City playing Bayern Munich on July twenty third at seven p.m.? That could be like some. <laughs> that could be like a. Wait, yeah, what's going on? I think it's um. What's it called like an exhibition or something. I think that's uh like the international cup. Yeah. Thing. Uh, I don't know why Crystal Palace is there. Oh, club friendlies. Okay. Yeah, so they yeah. must have had them already listed. I don't know why they're listed in the like in this match okay. fixture you know, yeah. table. Whatever, I was like, man, man, you guys play Liverpool still? No, no, no. no. <laughs> and then City's playing Bayern Munich? What? No, the season's done May 22nd. Yeah. Um, You know, that's when everyone gets to play the, the game at the same time. Every game kicks off at 11 a.m. our time here in mm-hmm. in Canada, so that'd be like the four o'clock, yeah, four o'clock kickoff in uh, in England. Uh, yeah, I think Liverpool, like I said, had they had the tougher schedule. The Chelsea game gets kind of thrown in the mix. Man City remains scheduled against Newcastle, Wolves, West Ham, and then their final match against Aston Villa. Four very winnable games for them, of course. Uh, the Newcastle game again might be tough. They just played tough against Liverpool um, last weekend. And the West Ham game too, because West Ham's still trying to fight for you know another mm-hmm. uh, the last Champions League spot, or even actually no, they can't get Champions. League. They're trying to fight for a Europa League spot um, and clinch that. They have to win out basically in their final yeah. three games of the season. But I mean, they still got something to fight for. They can finish in the top ten in the of the Premier League. They've been an absent a couple years before last, uh, so it's good that they get back in the top ten. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, they still got every, everyone's still got team. Uh, sorry, everyone has still. Got something to play for, except mm-hmm. for Norwich or Watford, because they're automatically relegated now since uh, since their last results on the weekend. Yep. And the team that's closest to the bubble again, Everton, pulling out a huge, huge, huge win against my Chelsea Blues. Um, talking to watch for me, you know, it was like the Frank Lampard, Everton, Andrew, Chelsea derby. <laughs> uh, it was it was exciting up until halftime, and then after <laughs> halftime, it got really depressing on my side of things. But I mean, again, Everton, like, good on them. They they had to get a win now more than ever. Clearly, they have. Mm-hmm. We talked about having them having to win out the rest of their games as well, and we even chalked off the Chelsea match as a game that they're most likely going to lose. So we were saying how they have to maybe win three games, maybe we draw one or two, and then they're definitely going to lose a game against Chelsea. They're definitely going to lose the game <laughs> against Arsenal. Um, so they kind of did themselves a huge favor and. You know, snags three points in an unexpected way. Yep. But I mean, the remaining schedule against Leicester City, Watford, Brentford, Crystal Palace, and the final match against Arsenal. With the run of form that Burnley's been going on now, they almost have to win out these games no matter what. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a really tight race. Um, like you got Burnley, Leeds, and Everton. Thirty four, thirty four, thirty two. Everton still has a game in hand, so. 
if they win that, they could jump up to uh, 16th um, and push Burnley and Leeds down into the relegation. So um, it was it was interesting when uh, City was playing Leeds. You had the City fans chanting that Leeds were going to get relegated. Um, I think it's still Everton's battle, really. I mean... The the I mean the fact that Everton is even here I mean we've talked about it at length is still like mind, um, it's mind boggling unbelievable yeah. but they they need to pick up points I mean this Chelsea I mean anyone who wants to see like a passionate crowd turn on the 90th minute of the Everton game oh, after yeah. the final whistle blew it was probably the loudest I've ever heard a soccer stadium in my life. Uh, talk it, talk it, about it, another stadium that's not even like, that big like, yeah, the yeah. park is around thirty five thousand maybe thirty eight thousand mm-hmm. yeah it just it just shows how passionate they are and obviously they they want their team to to stay in the in the Premier League I mean for most of the people there it's all they've really known um or at least a lot of them so you know capacity just under forty thousand um it was great but yeah like we said we we chalked it off as a loss for this the fact that they picked this up um is obviously huge for them so they need. They still have uh, fate still in their own hands. They just got to get those results, and um, you know, hope that Burnley and Leeds that just don't go on a massive winning streak that no one anticipates. Yeah, Burnley three wins on the trot right now. Yeah, Burnley's got a lot of momentum, so they'll. I have a feeling. Yeah, if you click on Burnley's schedule coming up, their schedule's not too bad, to be honest. Um, Villa twice, Tottenham. Villa twice, Tottenham, Newcastle. I I think if I had to pick, I would probably pick Leeds. To drop? They they got a tough they have a They have to play, what, Chelsea, Arsenal. Brentford and Brighton. Yeah, so that's very tough. Um, you, like... They could, they could easily lose they, they might not win any of those games to be honest mm-hmm. that that Brentford game those, for them is going to be massive yeah Brentford is the only winnable game they have like if they want any chance they have to win that game and hope Chelsea or hope Everton like at most win one game which I'm not sure because what Everton got to play Watford Brentford. and they Watford and Brentford and Leicester as well and Leicester yeah and Crystal Palace at home yeah, it's looking a little bit easier for Everton. Obviously, they still have to get the wins and you still have to get the job done. But I, it l- does feel like Leeds might not. But obviously, anything can happen. You know, <laughs> someone I, we talk about this, but in all reality, like Everton and Leeds and them are all the underdogs going into these games because <laughs> they're at the bottom of the table. Um, yeah, only only game for Everton that that would be favored is the Watford match because they're yeah. up by six points or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, and it is true. I mean, to be honest, um, like Crystal Palace and Brentford, like they're safe, so not really playing for too much. So they might not be too difficult. But, you know, if you look at um, Leeds playing Chelsea, it can, you know, and they're playing Chelsea, which, by the way, no guarantee that Chelsea's going to Champions League next year. You know, um, I mean, it's pretty close. Yeah, it's close, but they do have to win <laughs> their games. Yeah, Chelsea separated by five points from safety. Well, they yeah. are they are safe by five points. Let's let's call it like that. Yeah, remaining schedule against Wolves, Leeds, as we mentioned before, mm-hmm. Leicester, and Watford. Yeah. Um, God, 
I don't even know anymore like with this team. <laughs> they got they have to win two like for sure two of these games. Yeah, I mean just if you can get one it'll lock it up most likely even if if Tottenham wins their match. Yeah. On that they play next. I'm not sure who they're playing next. Liverpool actually, pretty sure. Liverpool. Okay, so, so. They, let's just say they both win I just with the amount of games remaining it's going to be really really tight yeah. for them to not make Champions League. <sighs> At this point <laughs> I don't even care anymore. Like <laughs> Play Europa, play nothing. I don't care. How we just focus on fixing your team for the better? Yeah. Because there's just so many flaws on this team, and there's so many holes, and it's almost like the team has to play perfect just to beat a top 10 team or something. Yeah. Or even in the, in the Everton game. I mean, we know that Everton plays tough at Goodison Park almost all the time, and it's bad enough shtick to go away and hear, like, hear it from the away fans, but when you're hearing from your own fans, that adds extra motivation i think in the side of the mm-hmm. players or they can take it out however they either way actually they could take it in a motivating way or they can take it in a negative way against chelsea like santos said the goodison park was rocking like i've never heard before and that just kind of propelled them to play a lot better than chelsea did and they play tough they play aggressive chelsea's had a really poor record actually away at everton in the last 10 seasons i believe um i forget the statistic but i heard it on a podcast before um, so we just knew going into that match, they're going to play hard. And I mean, they did. And Chelsea, I'll say it again. If they had a hundred million dollar strike on the bench, that'd be a huge bonus for them. And their point mm-hmm. they do, but the guy doesn't play. <laughs> and when he does play, he doesn't score. So they're just in a really tough spot. And I, I can't tell you like what the solution is for Chelsea. I, like I said, there's glaring holes on the, on the bench. Or sorry, the glaring holes on this on the team itself. I don't think it stems from management or from the top down, so to speak. I think Tuchel has done a pretty good job since he's been there. It's just been player performance, and it's. I think he just maybe isn't the greatest motivator. If that's a big thing against him, mm-hmm. I mean, like with Lampard and even Antonio Conte when he was there, he's a player's manager, mm-hmm. right? He's there for the guys. He's very motivating. He's very tough on the players. He's you know he gives a lot of. Um, he gives a lot of credit when it's due, but he also is not shy to, you know, put the blame game out there or he's not shy to call players out Antonio Conte, but the players like playing for him. Yeah. We know that. And he's done an amazing job at Tottenham since he's joined there and he's, you know, he's able to motivate Harry Kane in the second half of the season. Uh, Son continue his streak of being such an amazing player. And so I think in Chelsea's case with Tuchel, maybe he's just not a huge player motivator. I mean, the, the awful ill-willed uh, interview that Lukaku had, I mean, kind of plays a part into that too. I think, mm-hmm. um, like hurting his confidence and hurting you know the the confidence of the team you know behind him. But that being said, it's adversity, and you got to get past it. You got to find ways to win. I mean, Chelsea's had a pretty poor last four results. Uh, sorry, last five results <laughs> in the league. You know, loss, draw, win, loss, win. It's just really back and forth. Very inconsistent. Yeah. And that's not going to guarantee you any you know any Champions League games coming forward. It's not going to guarantee you a top 3 finish coming forward in in the next couple of seasons. And if they really want to solidify themselves as a top Premier League side and they really want to get taken seriously, they got to fill holes, they got to fill gaps in their team, they got to be more confident in themselves, and they just got to portray themselves as more of a world-class club because the shenanigans that's been going on at Chelsea mm-hmm. the last year or so. Yeah. You just got to lock that shit down. And yeah. just, you don't hear that stuff coming out of Man City. You never hear that coming out of Liverpool. 
Oh, well, because I mean, they have Klopp. <laughs> they do, but I'm saying they run they run a tight ship, though. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I think Chelsea players have had a lot of like a long leash, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, with you know, with them just saying whatever they want on social media. Like, again, Lukaku with his interview with uh, Sky Italia was just really negative towards the team and towards the whole club as a as a whole. So yeah, you just got to tighten that shit up and just focus on on the sport, focus on football, and focus mm-hmm. on getting wins. And I mean, like like Arsenal has been like rallied behind them in the last half of the season. Like I said, Tottenham, Man U, it's just a sinking ship um, <laughs> that they'll have to get figured out in the next couple of years. Oh yeah. But other than that, I mean, the other top five teams, they're they've they deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. And Chelsea and Liverpool, and Man City, we talked about at the beginning of the year being a three horse race going into the final, you know, yeah, month well, a few months of the season and then Chelsea just dramatically fell off the table and yeah it kind of all crumbled at the same time for them but the other two teams prevailed and it's for a reason they're just well-run machines they they know how to win and they know what it takes to get things done and Liverpool and Chelsea's just got to find their stride yeah hmm. yeah I mean it's it's like we we've we've talked about a lot I mean there's a lot of work for them to do uh to just fill in those gaps to become a top team um but they're like we said, they're they're probably the closest as to uh, than anyone else to get to that place. So hopefully, um, they can make some changes uh, in the next season for them to to get to that point. Yeah, are Arsenal looking scary though? They they are. They're, they're going to be good. next season if they they do well in the transfer market. Get two or three more guys to shore up the team. They're going <laughs> to Tottenham and Man U might be really struggling to get into the top four sometime soon. Yeah. Um, assuming Chelsea, you know, get it together in the off season, you know, get maybe another striker and sort stuff out. I think we're going to start seeing a gap between Tottenham and you and the other four teams. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm putting my foot down now. Chelsea has to improve next year. Chelsea needs to be, Chelsea needs to achieve at least 80 points next year. They have 66 right now. Mm -hmm. The max they can get is math, math, Joe, give it to me. Four games left. 78, 77. Max can get 78 points. They need to be a guaranteed 80 points next season. Um, Mm -hmm. They have to show better results in Champions League. I know they made a semi, well, they made a quarterfinal this year, sorry. And they made it tight against Real Madrid, but they have to have a better effort for Champions League. And yes, they're in the FA Cup final this year. Yes, they were in the Carabao Cup final this year. Lost to Liverpool in the Carabao Cup possibly could lose Liverpool in the FA Cup. They need to get a domestic trophy next year as well mm-hmm. in some competition. I know they won like that made-up Champions Cup. <laughs> the made-up. Whatever Club it World is, Cup. the Club World Cup. I know they won that this year, but that was against, you know, Tetonia Club. Mm-hmm. Like, it was against nobody. <laughs> Tetonia Club. Yeah. Shout out to the Windsor District Soccer League. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, they, they just had to... They, they need... Not recognition, but they need something... They need to win something that shows, okay, like we can win. You know, what I mean? if that makes sense. You know, they yeah. need something. Yes, they won Champions League last year again. That was like on a miracle run, I think. <laughs> Just I, I'm coming out and saying it firsthand. Like, I did not expect that to happen last year. Yeah. From what was happening with the side, you go from firing a manager in January to winning the Champions League in May. How that happens, I have no idea. <laughs> but that was obviously hugely successful for them, but they haven't really achieved anything since then. Yeah, and yes, it's to achieve things in football is to win trophies and win championships, and that's really hard to come by. But 
they had the Carabao Cup opportunity. They're going to have an FA Cup opportunity. Yeah. They cracked under pressure against Real Madrid in Champions League, and they fell off the face of the earth in the Premier League race this season. So, in Tuchel's eyes, too, if he doesn't get away with the FA Cup win this year, this is, again, it's a failed season. Yeah. In Chelsea's mm-hmm. eyes. It's just interesting how, like, the end of the season comes and how exciting it can be because, let's say... I'm not excited. Well, I mean, it's just the swing of results. Like, it could be disastrous for Man City, and then all of a sudden, say, Chelsea beats Liverpool FA Cup final. Liverpool lose to Real Madrid in UCL final, and they don't uh, catch Man City in the EPL final. All of a sudden, Liverpool... You know all this hype about getting the quadruple, and then they walk away with uh, Carabao Cup. Yeah, Carabao <laughs> Cup, and that's it. Um, so that's why this is why we love this point of the season because it all comes yeah. down, especially in these tournaments. Um, it all comes down to one game. EPL is going to come down to probably the last day of the season. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so it's you know teams this month you're going to have teams that right now could have a projection of being on the highest high and then make and come and you're left with nothing so uh if there's ever a time to tune into some footy footy fans just tune in in the month of may because it's going to be exciting well said santi your weekend schedule there's no early game this weekend uh, which is kind of nice no 7 30 a.m start yep uh, games kicking off at 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. The big one, Chelsea Wolves. Um, obviously, Chelsea is trying to stay, stay, stay pace, or keep pace with Arsenal and solidify themselves in Champions League. Uh, Brighton and Man U at 12.30. United, again, trying to stay in the final Europa League spot. And afternoon match, which we don't see very often, Liverpool-Tottenham mm. playing at the Champions League time, 2.45, night game. Mm-hmm. Night game uh, in England. This is at Tottenham Stadium, I believe. No, sorry, it's at Anfield. Yeah. Uh, at Anfield. So, they, yeah, that's the big one of the weekend when it comes to just, you know, the battle for the top five. And then on Sunday, Arsenal and Leeds. Talk about Leeds in their battle, trying to stay afloat. Everton and Leicester City also on Sunday. And Man City and Newcastle. Again, Newcastle playing. Oh, sorry, Man City playing one of the, tar- one of the toughest teams to play against in England right now. Newcastle have probably been on the you know the greatest form out of any side in the last mm. you know five matches. They did come off a loss against uh, Liverpool last weekend, only one nil, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah, one nil, so, really hard fought game. Yeah, hard fought game in Newcastle's favor. So yeah, they're um, they're no one to, to push over right now. They're playing really, really well. And let's give a quick shout out to the um, the championship division. Fulham coming back into the fold this year. Yeah. Mitrovic being the greatest goal scorer of all time <laughs> in the championship division. And also Bournemouth coming back in. Mm-hmm. The Cherries going to make their, uh, their yeah. return to the Premier League. You know, it's kind of funny to see Eddie Howe still there now. Yeah. But with the uh, the red and black stripes instead of the black and red stripes Yeah, of, uh, of Bournemouth. And then really cool how they do the, uh, the third place um, side to come into the Premier League. I love how they do that format in... Uh, in the championship division, where they gotta like kind of face off to play off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so you'll have the top two teams automatically make it, and then three, four, five, and six go into a playoff. Yeah, so like you could be the sixth place team, yeah, and get promoted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really cool. You obviously have to you have to win. You got to beat the third place team and then beat the final. Sorry, win the final of the uh, of the four versus five match, but. I don't even know who's in sixth right now. Actually. Uh, Luton Town. Luton Town. Six, yeah. Give me the give me the top four, Sandy. You go on to the playoffs. 
Uh, for the playoff, we got Nottingham Forest. I just love how Nottingham Forest is N O T T M. Yeah, Forest. Nottingham. Nottingham. It's too long. Nottingham. Uh, they're in third. You got Huddersfield in fourth. Sheffield United in fifth. There you go. And Luton Town in sixth. Is Luton Town in sixth? Is that the guarantee spot, or can they get bummed up with somebody else? Uh, I think the season's done. Yeah, they don't got the uh, like the little. I think it's wrapped up lines here. Um, Little lines. Oh, do you mean like matches played type thing? Yeah, I think it's. I think I'm, I'm saying like there's like they can't get bumped out. I think. Oh, um, yeah, I think uh, they've all played. No, there's uh, one more match they left. One match. Okay. Can one they get? More. Can they get caught? Uh, they can. They can get caught by Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough come back in the Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough can actually jump up to fifth. Uh, Sheffield United in fifth and Luton Town in sixth. Both have 72 and Middlesbrough have 70. Okay. And uh, Millwall cannot catch them. Uh, their goal differential isn't good enough. Okay. Um, well, they could actually. So Millwall could also get in there if they get a win and Luton Town get a loss. Wild stuff. Yeah. Looking at the last match day for the championship division. So he gets promoted, so he gets the big bucks going in the Premier League. I mean, again, we said it before, like that's for any side that's so big. Mm-hmm. So, so big. And it'll be good to see, you know, Fulham back in the fold. Uh Craven Cottage will be rocking next year. Mm-hmm. Bournemouth is at oh, what's their stadium called? Uh they are yeah. isn't it like the, the one on their shirt? Vit not Vitality, what is it? Uh I know it. It's like 7,000 people or something. Yeah, very, Stop. It is Vitality. Vitality. Fucking right, boy. Yeah, that sounded familiar. 11,000. 11,000 people capacity. That is nice. not very big. No, but no, it's, it's awesome. Not. Yeah, look at that place. Yeah, it's that's actually smaller than... That is than small that. town, just... Is that smaller than um, BMO? BMO oh, is 20, BMO's 30, like almost 30, yeah. Yeah. It's bigger than uh, VRL Stadium. Really cool park, though, Vitality. Yeah. Yeah. Even Craven Cottage, too. And just like the name Craven Cottage, like such a Premier League name. Like I know. I honestly think my favorite was Tottenham's White Hart Lane before they just changed it to That was a nice one. Yeah, it's Tottenham like, Stadium. Satsi's like, oh, they play on White Hart Lane. I'm like, you mean Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great, thanks. <laughs> I, I love look at the Craven Cottage, like the pillars near and everything, and like separating the grounds and Yeah. Like it's got like the little house with like the roof on it. These shingles are probably 180 years old. <laughs> Yeah, I love those just small England stadiums. Just love it. On the water in London, on the river. Yeah. The River Thames? I have no idea. Um, yeah, so shout out to those uh, those two teams. Like I said, Bournemouth and Fulham going into next season. Uh, Norwich, Watford definitely dropping into the championship division. And then, yeah, the likes of Leeds. Um, Leeds, Everton, and Burnley trying to avoid relegation which would be hugely detrimental to them. Again, Everton, Joe pitched that um, that YouTube video. I actually ended up watching it last week. It was pretty good. The oh, the, uh, talks where it talks about what would happen if they got relegated. Yeah. Yeah, they're we, playing. Yeah, we put that in the description of our last video if you guys want to look at that on YouTube. This podcast will be posted on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And, um, yeah, is that it, boys? You got anything else to say? I'm good. All good. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening. Again, you can follow us on social at footy underscore fans. Fans spelled P-H-A-N-S. Have a good night, everyone. We'll tune in next week after all the week's action. See you, everyone. See you. Ciao.